Amen. Thank you, Lord. All righty. This morning, uh, I'm going to be talking to you about prayer. Um, and I want to read this scripture to you. Um, so I'm really not talking about Mother's Day. But, it, you know, every mom prays, so somehow you can make that work out, right? <laughs> if you're a mama, if you're a parent, you're praying, I promise you. <laughs> Even ones that don't believe in prayer, they still pray, God help. Help my kids, Lord. <laughs> uh, we are very thankful for Mother's Day. I'll tell you that, man. They're ever, they're amazing. And if you have a mama, and if she's, you know, you're not with her, or she's far off, give her a call today, and let her know you love her. And and if you're just, you know, separated from your mom relationally, I think the Lord was speaking to you, you know, boy. Because when you lose your mama, that's a, moms are irreplaceable, right? I mean, when they're gone, there's a vacant vacant spot in your life that no one else can really fill. Only God Himself. I'm thankful for my mom and and my memories of my mama. She had a big impact on my life. More, and you find out the further you go in life, the more impact your mama has on you, right? I mean, I'm amazed at some of the things that mom mom gave to me uh, spiritually. Amen. So, Second Kings two nine. I'm still talking about the spirit of Elijah, but I, I really want to focus in on this thing here. And it, I've read this last week. It's Second Kings two nine. This is when Elijah was fixing to be taken up, just in case you haven't been here. Elijah was about to be taken up into heaven. And it says in verse 9, So it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And that's like a prayer. That's what he was asking for. It was like a prayer. That was a picture of a, of a prayer uh, and, you know, a prayer that Elijah actually initiated for Elisha to ask him. And so, as New Testament Christians, um, we believe that, and we've really declared it this morning, that Christ has given us, has already given us everything. He's given us all that we'll ever need. And it, Ephesians 1.3 says that we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And so we have to think, if, if this is true, if God has already given us His best, which He has, if He's already put all of that down into our spirits when we're born again, why, you know, how should we pray or even should we pray? Right? I mean, those are the questions we have to ask ourselves when we begin to really step into the revelation that we are complete and that God has, has finished His work, okay? We have to keep this thought in mind. The work of the cross is finished, but the work of the cross in us is not finished. And that's a, a thought about prayer. You see, God has already done it all, uh, and it's finished from His perspective. But from our perspective... There is this outwork, and there is this being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so prayer becomes a really a key thing. It becomes key for us if we're going to really have our inheritance. If we're going to have everything the Bible declares, there's this element of prayer that we must step into. It's really important, okay? It's really key, and I think that's what that said there. Okay. Somebody's airdropping me stuff. It's grace. 
She said, I mean, I'm getting videos right now. As we, isn't that technology just amazing? It's, not, it's, it's like you got five more minutes. You can start airdropping me that when I'm preaching to you. Airdrop me a message like, please stop. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. John 14, 13 through 14. This is Jesus speaking. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my mind, I will do it. So he's saying, uh, anything in my name. What did I say? Anything in my mind? <laughs> I think I might have said that. My mind is on my mind. Okay, this is really important. Jesus is really talking about asking things in his name. Okay, and that's a, really the name of Jesus really is the, is the key part of our inheritance in Christ. It's the thing, it's like the key that unlocks everything for us, his name. Okay, and that's why he was saying, if you ask anything in my name, he has given us the name as a family. When you're born into a family, you take on the family name, you know, and, then, and, and more than likely, you take on all the rights of that family. And if that family has, has, a, has authority or has whatever that family has, you have access, especially in the Hebrew culture. A little bit different in our culture, but in the Hebrew culture, everything that the family had, you had. You had legal access to it. And the Bible tells us really clear that we have been given a legal right to be called children of God. A legal right, not just a, uh, just a thought. This is something that God has bestowed upon us. And see, the key is we have to learn how to tap in to that name and, and use that name because that's the name that has all authority, all power. That's the name that everything's going to bow to. Now, I know everybody knows that. Everybody thinks that. Here's the problem. The church has barely touched the edge of the name of Jesus. I feel like we've not really pushed into this thing. And I feel like there's like this explosive power in the name of Jesus that God really wants to bring a people into a revelation of His name. See, we're lacking revelation of His name. We have a lot of understanding and head knowledge about the name of Jesus, but very little revelation. Because if we had revelation on it, then we would understand how to use that name properly and how to, how to release the authority and power of God into the earth. Amen? And so God really wants us to see that part, the major part of our inheritance that we need to tap into is His name. You know, and understanding his name from a spiritual perspective, not just from a mental perspective. And it says right here, this is beautiful. It says that if you ask anything, this is a, a purpose of prayer. I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen? That, I, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. How many people in this room suffer from regret? Anybody suffer from regret? Like, I wish I would have done that better. I mean, I don't think there's a soul in this room. Everybody who raised their hand, thank you for telling the truth. The rest of y'all, you need to repent from lying. Because <laughs> we all suffer from looking back over yesterday, over last year, over the last few years of life, and realize there's things we could have done better, right? There's things we wish we wouldn't have done. Many times we feel like we failed. You know, I don't think there's a, there's a mother in this room that wouldn't feel that at some point that they failed their children. That we should have done something different. That we should have said something different. Right? I mean, that's just that's, that's being human. And I was recently going through this, this thing where I felt, I was thinking about, well, I was thinking about our church and someone when we were going through some tragic things. And I was thinking about how I felt like I, I failed. 
and I felt like I came up short in, in, in my pastoring and leadership of the church to try to help us through those moments uh, and regretting like, oh, I wish I would have done that different. I wish I would have handled that different. I wish I would have, you know, just going through all this. And I just felt terrible. And I was just saying, Lord, I just, I'm just so sorry, Lord. I just, so, I just wish I would have done better, Lord, you know. And, um, you know, it was like God was being really, really sweet to me at that moment. And he wasn't really saying anything to me. But, um, and, I, and I walked into the room this morning and we, we started singing about all the glory belongs to the Lord. And it was like at that moment I realized, um, you know, Jesus is really the only person who can ever do anything perfect. He's the only one who's ever going to succeed 100%. He's the only one who's never, he's never going to fail. And, and, he, and the reason we pray is because we do fail. That's why we pray. We fail. And that's why Jesus is saying, ask anything that the Father may be glorified. Because we're, in a sense, prayer is saying, Lord, apart from you, and without your power in my life, without your grace in my life, without you really helping me, I'm going to fail, Lord. I'm going to come up short, Lord. Anybody hearing this? I'm going to come up short, Lord. That's what prayer is saying to God. And God And because you answer prayer, you're going to get the glory. Because when you do things, and when you, when when I do things well, it's because it's because of you, Lord. And when I succeed in raising my family right, it's because of you, Lord. It's not because of me. You did it, Lord. Christ in me is the one who did it. If I do well at work, if I do well with whatever I do in my life, Lord, you're going to get the glory. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's asking anything in my name that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And really, when you really look at the Bible and the Bible's perspective on prayer, the Bible's perspective on prayer is that God answers prayers. The Bible is, the whole perspective of the Bible is that we pray because God wants to move. And God wants to do something. God wants to help people. And that's why we pray, because when we pray, God's glorified. Are y'all with me on this? Y'all, sound, y'all look like, well, everybody knows that. But see, we're not, what I'm saying is we're not really tapping into this thing. I don't know about you. I got too many prayers that are not being answered, and I'm questioning. I, I've said the name of Jesus too many times, and it felt like it was a formula. I don't want to do that. I really want to tap into what he's saying here. I want this. I'm pulling on this. I had this little teeny encounter with the Lord back last year when I was down in uh, South America in the Andes Mountains. And it was about the name of Jesus. Because I had been asking the Lord. I've been asking the Lord for a while about this revelation about His name. And, it, and this is what it felt like to me. It felt like, you know, an eyedropper that you drop medicine into your eye. Like one little drop about the name of Jesus came on my heart. One little drop. But I felt something in that drop. I felt there's something explosive. I felt there's something near for us. I feel like there's something right there. It's just like right in front of me. I can't quite get to it. But I know it has something to do with the, with the, with the body of Christ really tapping into the power of Jesus' name. And I really believe God really wants to reveal His name to us and reveal the power of His name. John, let me read John 16, um, 24. It says, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. 
listen, this is amazing. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so God really wants to, to bless us. That's what he says right there. He wants us to be full of joy. And, and prayer is a way for the joy of the Lord to come into our life. It's answered prayer. And that God really wants us to experience joy. That's one of the ways, you know, the Bible tells us several ways that joy is available to us. One's just by the presence of the Lord. Another is by God answering our prayers. And when we get answers to prayer, joy gets released to us. And God really wants a joyful people. He's looking to bring joy into the earth because that's what the world needs. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we get, when we get our prayers answered, this joy gets released to us. We have this supernatural strength that begins to work on us. And it's like it catapults us. It's like this endless thing that goes round and round in us where we, go, we can keep our faith gets activated and we have more boldness to pray and more boldness to do because there's this joy feeding it. And see, God really wants to break off this miserable praying that Christians do. See, I'm not into miserable praying. That's why, you know, for a long time I wouldn't go, you couldn't drag me to a prayer meeting. That's the way I felt. I'm not going in there. You go in there happy and you leave like you're just like the world's falling apart. And you just pray, did all this praying. It's the worst thing in the world, you know. And so the church has made intercession and prayer like some bad thing. I mean, it's a bad thing. It's, it's toxic almost to Christians. Because it's unhappy, it's misery, instead of something done by faith and seeing God moving, and we can move into this declaration thing. Somebody wrote a book called The Happy Intercessor. I'm thinking, dang, oh, that's, what it is. that's perfect. There should be no sad, no, no, they should, a sad intercessor should be like, that doesn't exist in the church. Because a happy intercessor is a person who sees God move and sees God answers prayer. A sad one is one that God never hears a word because they're begging God and, or they're asking some, something crazy. Well, that's just my little bad revelation. You know, but I, I, I go to prayer meetings now. You know why? Because I just turn off the bad stuff. That's what I do. I just turn it off. I don't listen. When I feel bad stuff, bad praying come, I, don't, I just ignore it. I just start praying inside of me. Like, I'm going to have my joy prayer. I'm going to have my happy prayers. I'm not going to listen to sad prayers. Well, let me just give you this beautiful prayer here. I forgot what time I started because i got to finish by a certain time. And I was supposed to be... i got two minutes left. Oh, man, oh, man. Two minutes. Y'all are really hungry this morning. <laughs> well, here's the prayer, Okay. It's Ephesians 1. Uh, you know, last week I read this little, or, there's this little order in Ephesians. Okay? If you, if you read the book, Paul released, it's a blueprint, actually. It's a blueprint. And if you really pay attention, it's like reading a blueprint, literally. Like, this is where you start, and this is how you go. Everything builds on the thing he said. It's, it's amazing. If you really take that and read the first chapter you can see this order that's taking place this is it's like all right first of all you dig this hole then you pour the semen in then you put the you know whatever you do when you're building up a wall he actually shows you how to do this and he kind of ends up with a prayer he, he starts out and says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and then he talks about the Holy Spirit being given as a down payment to those every spiritual blessing see everything's tied back he said, the Holy Spirit is the, is the down payment to what I just told you. And He's also the guarantee that you can have all of that. And then as soon as He says that, 
He says, now I'm going to tell you how to pray so you can get this spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. I'm going to show you how to start praying so you can see all of this become a reality in your life. Now, that's really what First it, Ephesians 1 is all about. I think it's amazing. Yes, it is awesome. He said, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your heart, or the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. That's a powerful prayer. That's an amazing prayer. And so what you see here... um, You know, the spirit of wisdom and revelation is what Paul was praying for. Paul was not praying that they would get anything other than the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come on them. He wasn't praying that they would get something, that they would get this inheritance. They would would get more things or they would get money or they would get whatever, healing or anything. He wasn't praying that. He was praying that the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation would come on the hearts of these people and there would just be this enlightenment that would come. And when this enlightenment would come, they would begin to see something. And Elijah told Elisha, you cannot have this double portion until you see something. If you see it, you can have it. And Paul picks up from what Elijah told Elisha. I'm going to show you how to see. I'm going to show you how to tap in and bear to see what I said in verse 3. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I'm going to show you how to begin to see those spiritual blessings. And when you begin to see them, you can begin to tap into them. You can begin to lay hold of them. Now that's really what he's praying there. And that's, see, he's not saying, oh, I'm going to pray that you, that you will get your inheritance in Christ. No, you already have your inheritance. When you were born again, he placed it into your spirit. He said the problem with, the, with us, with the Ephesians, which by the way, if you study the Ephesian church, it was the most mighty church in the New Testament. Go back and study it in Acts, I think sometime. Somewhere around Acts 20, there was a great revival in Ephesus. And it was a place where people came and burned thousands of dollars of books and stuff because God was moving and it was bad stuff. And they say in the, in the time all this was written, the church at Ephesus was the biggest church in the world. Uh, I've read where some say between fifty and 70,000 people Um, notable people started by the Apostle Paul pastored by Timothy pastored at some point by John the Beloved the Apostle John isn't that amazing this is a church Uh, Mary the mother of Jesus at one point was a member of this church Uh, this this church was like the ultimate church in the we think about the church in Jerusalem or, or the church at Antioch 
you know, they were amazing churches. But this church was even more amazing in one sense. You know what happened to that church, don't you? You know the last thing the Bible says about that church? Jesus said it. You've left your first love. Basically, you can have all this. You can have Mary. You can have Mary as, as your most esteemed mother in the church. You know, you can have John, the beloved, who loved the Lord more than everybody else. He was his friend. You can have Timothy, who was personally discipled by Paul. You can have Paul as the founder, but you can still lose your first love. Isn't that crazy? That's kind of like, ooh, <laughs> help, Lord. <laughs> right? That's how I feel that way. But Paul was saying, listen, I, I, you need something. That's what he was saying to them. You need something. You need this spirit of wisdom. Wisdom and revelation, I think I said that, they flow together. And if you really study the Bible, they always flow together. Because wisdom is the ability to discern what's right, what's true. Okay, that's what wisdom is. You're able to see what's right, what's true. That's why we're always seeking out people with wisdom. Because we want to know the right thing. We want to know the truth. You know, we want to know that. And we want to know it in the right time. Because wisdom not only knows those things, but it knows the right time for it. Because the, the, the right thing at the wrong time can be the wrong thing. It can, can be wrong results. Trust me. <laughs> you don't want to do the right thing at the wrong time. It can be very hurtful. And so that's what wisdom is. In Revelation, it means to uncover. That's what it literally means, to uncover, to disclose. So the, they flow together. God wants to have us this, this, this wisdom and revelation that washes upon our hearts. And the things that we begin to see, we have this ability to know if it's from God. Okay? And so that's why they always work together. Is, is because we're going to begin to see things. And a lot of people that don't even know the Lord can see things better than a lot of Christians, it's sad to say. <laughs> you're seeing more than you realize, and you're hearing more than you realize. That's why Jesus uh, admonished the Pharisees, you know, having eyes to see and ears to hear. But you don't see, you don't hear, and you don't have a heart to understand. But because if you did, you would turn, and I would heal you. And so God has given all of us this ability. But what Paul was saying, when the spirit of wisdom and revelation come upon your heart, it's like walking into a dark room, okay, that you've never been in, and there's a million dollars in that dark room. All right, just imagine this. This is a pitch-back dark room. No windows. There's no way for light to get in. And somebody says, you can go in there and you can have that million dollars if you can find it. But the room is full of all kinds of stuff, and you've got a certain amount of time to do it in. You know, we would all just scramble in there and thinking we could find it. But if it was pitch black, it would be very difficult to find this million dollars. And so when he says the spirit of wisdom and revelation comes, it's like a light gets turned on in your heart. That's what it's like. A light comes on, and you're able to see. And that's what he was saying is you're going to be able to see and he lists these three things. He, he lists, this is amazing. He listed first, you're going to be able to see the hope of his calling. Everything that Christ deserves, everything that Christ has provided, you're going to begin to see that. He's talking about your inheritance. He's talking about what Elisha called the double portion. That's what he's talking about. 
you're going to begin to see this thing. And when you begin to see the hope of his calling, he didn't say the hope of your calling. That's really important. Your calling is really nice. It's a really great thing. You know, it's, a, it's a gift. It's a beautiful thing. But without the hope of his calling, your calling is going to, it's, it's low level. You know, I remember, I'll tell you this little story because I think it's cool. I remember when the Holy Spirit River came in this church real powerful. And I was trying to encourage people to get in this river. Because if you do, something will happen to you. And someone actually said this to me. I don't really need to get in. Why do I? No, he said, why do I need to get in the river? God's already anointed me. I said, well, here's the way it is. Your anointing is here. His anointing is here. So when you get in this river, all of a sudden your anointing goes to here because you've tapped into his anointing. And that's what, what Paul's saying. Hey, we've got to tap into something greater, something that will catapult us beyond the norm. We've got to tap into the anointing of Christ. We've got to tap into the authority of Christ. We've got to tap into the power of Christ. So that's the first thing he said that this, this enlightenment is going to do is you're going to start seeing what Christ deserves, we get. His inheritance, He's given to us. Okay, then He says, He tells us, this, and this is really important, of where this uh, inheritance is. The riches of the glory of his inheritance, where? In us. See, Paul's saying, it's not out here. Don't look out there. Don't try to find this glorious thing that God has out here. It's not out there. He's saying, it's in you. God has placed this inheritance in you. It's in you. And you'll begin to look into, down into, that, into the realm of your spirit and begin to see the inheritance of Christ. So he begins to tell us like, it's there. It's amazing. That's what the hope of his calling is. And this is where it's actually located. And then he tells us you're going to see the exceeding greatness of his power because you're going to need power to be able to access this, this inheritance. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So that's really his prayer is for us to be able to, 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 be able to, 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 to see it, to see where it's actually like. Here's where the million dollars is. It's over there in the corner. Nobody's going to look because they're, they're thinking it's going to be up here. It's actually hit over there in the corner. You'll know where to go to get it. And he's going to empower you to get it. That's, that's what Paul was praying for these people. Now, a lot of translations... Uh, are y'all okay? Yeah. A lot of translations, you know, well, it says the eyes of your understanding. Um, this is a pretty amazing, really. Um, uh, some translations use the eyes of your heart. The actual, and I always thought long when I was a young believer and started thinking about this, I thought it would be that, a Greek word for heart, which is cardia. That's what they, in the New Testament, lots of times it says heart, it means cardia, but it doesn't mean that here. It, it, the word is dianoia, okay, which is literally, uh, and this translated in different places. In some places it's called understanding, some places it's called the mind. Um, but that's the part of uh, us, that's, in some places it's called the imagination. Um, and so it's the seeing part, it's what Paul, Paul's talking about, because he's talking about uh, the enlightenment that comes, where you can begin to see. It's the part of us, I believe, I've concluded, this is the part of us that's closest, the part of our soul that's closest to our spirit. Yeah, that it can peer down into the, to the realm of our spirit and see what's in there. 
Okay, that, that's the part of it. I, let me read this one verse I love about Dianoia. It's just a beautiful word to me. It's 1 John 5, 20. It says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. That word there is Dianoia. Listen, so that, this is beautiful, we may know Him who is true. We may know Him who is true. It's the part of us that God has made and created so that we can actually know the Lord. Is that Diana, that part that Paul's saying, that part needs enlightenment. That part needs this spirit of wisdom and revelation to be shed on and, and washed over your heart. And, and it, we can know Him, and then it goes on to say, and we are in Him who is true, and, and in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. So that's, that's the Diana. One of the great things about uh, Dianoia is, you know, because it's, that, it's, the, it's the part of us that um, is imagination, um, imaging, seeing. Um, and I know, you know, imagination can be sort of a treacherous subject to talk about uh, for people. It should not be because God has given us an imagination. And I think the church needs to, to watch children. I'm totally fascinated when watching my grandchildren play. Because they have such amazing imaginations. And, and they come up with all these things they're doing. And I'm sitting there watching them thinking, That's, they know something. They know something I don't know. Because I discarded my imagination somewhere along the line as I became a, an adult. But your imagination, that's, that's some of the times in the Bible, dianoia is, is translated imagination. A, an imagination that has the spirit of wisdom and revelation is going to imagine some amazing things. It's going to imagine some amazing things. And I'm going to tell you something. I may have discarded my imagination, and you may have, or maybe you're a little bit better than me, a little wiser, but the truth is everybody in this room uses imagination all the time. How many people have had uh, invisible arguments with people you were having difficulties with? How many people had? And I've had some major arguments with people. I was going to. I went through this big conversation. That's what is that? That's imagination, right? I don't want to even talk about the bad stuff that we imagine. You know, I mean, any, we don't even need to talk about that. A sanctified imagination, it says in Roman. Imagination is being cleansed, an imagination that has the spirit of wisdom and revelation on it. But I want to finish. I hope this is making sense to you. Um. Uh, and I want to say this, um, I, I've, well, I'm interested in a lot of things, and I was reading these articles about the heart. Uh, this is not Christian literature, this is from science. And one of the things that they've discovered, and this is, this is, these are scientists from uh, Oxford University that was, wrote this article, they've discovered that the human heart has a brain. And they say this brain... It's such a powerful brain, and they, they discovered it because of gathering of certain things, whatever they are, that are actually also in the brain part. There's a part of your heart that has these things. It's, it's kind, of, kind of funky, but they say they've actually did this. They've, you can take a heart, a human heart, out of the human body, disconnect it from a brain, and if you give it the right environment, blood, auction, all that, it can exist without a brain. It knows what to do without a brain because it has its own brain. And the doctors say uh, it has a memory. 
just they've proven this heart has a memory. And they, and they were even saying, they are now beginning to see, you know, oh, Becky, I love you with all my brain. Does anybody say that? No. You, I love you with all my heart. There's an emotion. There's a feeling. They are saying that's why those phrases have come up because the, the heart brain communicates back and forth with the head brain and actually helps develop feelings. Isn't that amazing? Now, these are scientists saying all this. And so that's why we say, oh, I'm just heartbroken over that. Because we feel it in our heart. The, our heart actually has feelings because it has this, this brain that communicates back and forth. And they said the main, the main function of this heart was to operate the brain. I mean, operate the heart. But it, but it did have these, this other aspect to it where it talked to the brain about emotions, about, a fi- about feelings. It's just, and that's all in the natural. That's all amazing. And this one scientist says, but there's another heart that we have. That's what this scientist said. He, he said, there's another heart. He said, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to explain this other heart, but there is something else in, in certain people that functions. And he says, it has to be a spiritual heart. So really, as Christians, we got, we got a brain up here. We got a brain in our natural heart. And we have this other, or we could call it out of mind, another mind that operates in our spirit. And they, they all worked, or are meant to work together, you know, to help us. So you can see when Paul was talking about the eyes of your understanding, and some people said, the eyes of your heart. Because the heart is just seat of emotions, it's seat of passions, it's a seat of everything in you that you want. I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to marry Becky because my brain wanted to marry her. I wanted her to marry because my heart wanted to marry her. My heart was what spoke to her. And, and what happened to the Ephesians is they somewhere down the road, they forgot about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And, then, and Jesus said, you've left your first love. Because their heart wasn't touched. And the spirit of wisdom and revelation would have kept that heart in love with Jesus because the heart, the dianoia, is the part that we know Jesus. And if we know Him, if we're relating to Him, we're going to have this love relationship with Him. Right? Lord, I love you with all my heart. And see, that's really why, you know, when we pray, when... This prayer, I believe, is, is, is impacted. I believe it's a prayer we should pray. I pray a lot, actually, because I feel so, so messed up when I'm really not able to connect on a heart level. You know what I'm saying? I feel messed up in my life. When I, I feel like I'm not connecting with the Lord on a heart level, I'm obviously messed up in my marriage if I'm not connected on a heart level. Right? That's just a picture. Yes and amen. So I believe... When we begin to see with our heart all that Christ has done for us, all that He's already done for us, we begin to see it. We begin to think about it. That's when we can begin to make that journey into receiving it and it really becoming a reality in our life. And I think that's where the, the prayer comes in. Is Lord, just wash my heart today fresh in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So I can see. So I can really see, Lord. How many people in here want to see? We can see.
this is a funny, funny bad thing that happened to me yesterday. I was driving. We went. Joyce is not here. They went uh, up to Chapel Hill this morning. When you see Joyce Kashi, give her a congratulation. Yesterday, Joyce Kashi became Doctor Joyce Kashi. She got her doctor degree yesterday. Isn't that amazing? And so we went to her graduation. That girl was amazingly brilliant to do that because it was a hard ride for her. You'd never known it. But when we were driving down there, um, I drove by Bob Jones's house where he used to live before he died. And when I did, I felt this pain and hit my eye like crazy. And I knew, I knew that what that was. I knew, you know, God was reminding. That was the thing that He was so apt at, so gifted at, so equipped at, was being able to see. And God really wants us to see. He wants us to see the hope of His calling. He wants us to see that there's this inheritance in us. He wants us to see His power. He wants us to see the name of Jesus for what it really is and be able to begin to tap in and really use it instead of, instead of it being just something we say. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. Come on, Marlon. Bail me out, man. Let me make one prayer. Lift your hands up to the Lord if you would like the Spirit. And just let, let's just pray this together. Father... Hey, I'm just going to give you right out of the Bible, right out of the glorious Bible. Um, uh, the Father of glory, give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I might know, might know what is the hope of His calling? And what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? In me. Say in me. I have an inheritance in me. It's glorious. And I want to see it. And I want to see the exceeding greatness of His power towards me. Because I'm a believer. According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Amen. 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 That was amazing. That was good. I just felt like the Lord just dropped the heavenly revelation into our hearts this morning and it's good to receive it amen so i'm not going to keep you guys long so if we have the ministry team come up here and if you need any further prayer please do avail yourself for that for that opportunity that is being given if you're sick in your body or in your mind or or you just need somebody to agree with you about something you're going through please do come other than that i wish you lovely ladies a happy mother's day and that the lord will bless you be with you and that you get you guys get to enjoy your families a lot amen so treat treat your mama nice today spoiler for all that is worth and every day for sure <laughs> you got some yeah yeah i will pray for the mothers real quick before so father i just ask you that you that your hand will be extended 
into each mother in this place. The Father, for every part that they poured out into our lives, Father, you bring an abundance of blessing in those parts, Lord. And I just thank you for them, Father. I just pray for deeper intimacy with you. And that you, Father, who give such good gifts, that you drop good gifts into their hearts this day, Father. And we all say, Amen. Oh.